David, what happened to you? Saw the Pagano divorce case. That's what happened to me. My goodness, you catch him in the act? Better. Got his confession and confession. And let me tell you something. We're talking 100 Hail Mary material here. This guy was doing more banging than a screen door in a cyclone. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's let's get started. Welcome to the second live event of Moonlighting the Podcast. Today we are here to talk about Every Daughter's Father is a Virgin, which is episode 14 from season two. I'm here with my partner in Moonlighting Crime and co-host Shauna Sari. Hi, Shauna. Hi, Grace. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. And joining in on our discussions about this episode is our very special guest for the second time, Scott Ryan, who is the managing editor of the Blue Rose magazine the author of many books like Moonlighting and Oral History, Firewalk With Me, Your Laura Disappeared, Twin Peaks, The Last Days of Letterman, and 30-something. He is also the co-president of Fayetteville Mafia Press and the host of the Red Room podcast. Welcome, Scott, and thank you for being here. Ah, it's good to be seen if I can steal a line from this episode. <laughs> um, but I guess that's just for the Zoom people. If you're in the Zoom room... <laughs> and you get right, to see me. Right. If you're listening at home, you missed the live events. Sorry, suckers. Oh, no. yeah, and am I the first here. return guest? Yes. Yes, you <laughs> are. Yes, that makes you me are. best. Score. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to put you in the Moonlighting Guinness Book of Records. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. First is best. Recurring guest. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm like Mr. Pesto. Rhyming. Yeah, I mean, look at that. How'd you learn to rhyme? I don't know. Just too much moonlighting, I guess. <laughs> we'll discuss the episode as, as we usually do. Um, everyone is welcome to join in. And like I said, last time people put comments in the chat and that seemed to work well. And yeah, we kind of talk up to a certain point, maybe like the first commercial break, what would have been, and then, you know, see if anyone else has comments. All right. So every daughter's father is a virgin. It first aired on the 18th of February, 1986. It was directed by Christopher Hibbler. It was written by Glenn, of course, and Deborah Frank and Bruce Franklin Singer. 
The guest stars are Robert Weber as Alexander Hayes, Eva Marie Saint as Virginia Hayes, Rosanna Huffman as the lady in room 458, Kate Murtar as the waitress, and Dante Dondre as the hotel desk clerk. All right, so the synopsis of this episode, Maddie's parents, Alexander and Virginia Hayes, arrive in town from Chicago to attend a wedding of one of her father's colleagues. Her mother confides that Maddie's father may be having an affair and that the woman may have followed them from Chicago. Maddie is determined to prove her mother wrong and wants to conduct an investigation and follow him for a day to see where he goes. David says, yuck, you can't do that, so he offers to take the case for her. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, David has to break the bad news to Maddie about what he witnessed and that her father is indeed having an affair. Maddie cannot bring herself to tell her mother the truth, so instead launches a furious attack on her father, who then tells her that the affair is over and it will never happen again. This episode reveals a close relationship between Maddie and her parents, something which has not been mentioned before. The episode ends with David wanting to adopt Maddie because of the current situation with her parents so that he can bounce her on his knee, not knowing that the situation is now resolved and that her parents arrived back in Chicago safely. Yes. Um, why do you think Deborah Frank wrote this episode? Um, it must I have been on damn. IMDb. Isn't it, isn't it on the credits of the show? No. Mm. But it, um, no, I don't think Deborah Frank had anything to do with this episode. Okay, um, well, they've see. Sometimes I go by the credits on on the show, and sometimes mm-hmm. I go by the credits on IMDb. And obviously, I did the wrong one today. No, it's <laughs> Thanks, okay. <Scott>. It's just <laughs> I, I'm not trying to bust you out, but because no. this was one of the topics. So on TV, it's listed as the Bruce guy, Bruce Franklin Singer. Franklin Singer. Was that his name or something? And when I was working on the book, I could not find this person. That's that's the first thing. And also, nobody knew who he was. Hmm. I don't think. And so I texted Deborah Frank today. That's why it was just so interesting that you um, said that. Because I've been trying to call Jay all week and he hasn't. Sometimes they travel and he doesn't have a cell phone. So Hmm. um, You just get him if he's home or not. Yeah. So I haven't been able to get a hold of Jay because I thought, oh, I'm going to get some tidbits to be able to share with you guys. And I have no tidbits. I'm Mm. bitless. But (laughs) I texted Deborah Frank because the only two people that I feel close with in the writing, I mean, everyone was super nice, but I'm saying I don't bother people except I'm bothering both of you right now, but, but I mean, in the lighting world, uh, I don't try to bother them, but I can text Deborah and she's fine. And I said, Hey, I'm doing this every daughter's uh, thing. You know, can you tell me anything about it? And she said, I know absolutely nothing about that episode. You know, you'd have to ask Roger or someone. So then when you said that she wrote it, I'm like, I don't know. I just, she just told me she had, she has nothing with that episode. So I think that's very interesting. Uh, they've just made a mistake on there then. That's yeah, the so second mistake. I've, actually, no, it's the third mistake I've found on IMDb. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know, unless Deborah doesn't remember and didn't no. want to talk to me. And- no, you're, prob- no you're, you're probably right, Scott, because now that I think about it, visualizing the credits, yeah, she's not on there. Yeah, because mm. I'm watching, I watched the episode this morning and oh. I was so taken aback by the writing and I'm like 
And I remember, I don't think it's in my book, but I'm pretty sure Jay said Glenn wrote this episode. And you could tell this episode's really Yeah. And if you guys have um, watched the commentary for the episode that Glenn and Sybil do, I don't know if you have, but- um, I did many Glenn, years ago, but I didn't- Okay. Glenn even talks about how he thought about the idea, you know, kind of flipping it, you know, the idea of every father, you know, wants to think of his daughter as a virgin, but what if you thought of it the other way, you know, and like, how does a daughter view her father, you know, like in all, all the good ways. You know, uh, David has a line in the episode, right? That says, you know, your father, but do you know your mother's husband? I love that line. That is the best line. Yeah. So that's a different relationship, you know? So I think Glenn wrote it. Definitely. I mean, it has Glenn written all over it, you know, I mean, dialogue wise, (laughs) (laughs) pun intended. So anyway, so um, IMDb says Deborah Frank, huh? But then, you know, you never know because Glenn would write an episode and then sometimes just give a credit to somebody else as well. Well, it's very yeah. interesting how Scott couldn't find this guy. Yeah. And, and I remember that Jay had no idea who he was. Like, I, I don't know that I specifically asked Glenn that question because there was a lot to cover when I interviewed Glenn. So we didn't go through every single episode. Uh, but I remember because the reason I was trying to find this guy is yeah. because in a way, although in my book, I say something different <laughs> and some people have Believe me, I've gotten emails from y'all telling me I was wrong, but I still stand by it. I say that The Sun Also Rises is the first episode without a case. And that's annoyed a lot of readers because they say every daughter is the Mm. first one. But I say technically there is a case in this one, and it is Maddie's dad. Mm. Sun Also Rises, there is no detective work whatsoever. No. Uh, so I was just curious, this Bruce guy comes in, writes an episode and doesn't, you know, kind of doesn't have a case that's pretty ballsy. So that's why I wanted to find this guy. If anyone yeah. out there knows who he is or anything, I couldn't find him on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, anything. I, could, I just could yeah. not find him. And nobody associated with the show could tell you who this guy was. Not right. even Glenn. Well, I said, I, I don't think I asked Glenn specifically. Okay, okay. I don't okay. remember Glenn and I discussing this episode yeah. in our interview, but Jay didn't know him. Um, Jay I didn't know him. Yeah, Jay had no idea who the guy was. And Jay just said Glenn wrote that episode. So, Well, it says yeah. here that he did Moonlighting in 1985, Sunset mm-hmm. Beach in 1997, and The Killing Time in 1987. Is he dead? Does no, he still alive. Dead? looks like the last thing he did was in 2004. I was beginning to think he didn't exist and they've just made up a ring in. But um, no, I I mean, because I did. I remember searching for him. I'm just saying I could never get to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I it's hard to find. There was a couple people that I really wanted to get. And he was one just because of the uniqueness of this episode. Yeah. But I think it's a Glenn episode. That guy probably pitched. What if Maddie's dad came? And then, yeah, he may have had a conversation with him somewhere and then it got in Glenn's head and then Glenn, you know, so maybe he just, yeah, gave the credit to the guy because he would do that. Yes. Mm. Well, the cold open with Maddie and David, you know, I'm always like, is it Sybil and Bruce? Is it Maddie and David? It was Maddie and David is interesting with the U.S. Open on this week. And, you know, David's wearing the McMahon sweatband. Oh, explain that, please, because I don't understand what that is. Um, So a tennis player, he's a U.S. tennis player. Um, What's his first name? 
McMahon? Ed? It's a joke. <laughs> it's, it's a joke. Uh, we just watched a documentary on him this week, and now... Um, John McEnroe? Uh, sorry, yes, McEnroe. Uh, okay, so yes, uh, McEnroe. He's wearing um, the sweatband with McEnroe. Okay, John McEnroe um, was a tennis player. Yeah, um, yep. You know, the U.S. tennis player at the time who was, you know, really big in the 80s. So I'm sure he was probably playing in some big tournament. So Bruce slash David uh, was wearing that to send the message to root for him. Yeah, but it says McMahon. Does it say McMahon? No, it says McMahon. M-C-M-A-H-O-N. Okay. M-C-M-A-H-O-N. I always thought it was a football player. I, I ah. look at us already causing trouble, but Grace, I know. Yeah. When we're did you we're say going this nowhere air? with this. <laughs> Grace, when did this air? We know nothing. The 18th of February, 1986. Well, there's not, um, there's not football uh, in February. So what? Well, what about Super Bowl? Super Bowl Super happens Bowl? in January. Because the tennis is here in January. So I mean, the, the sweatband, though. You know, yeah, it does look That's like tennis. Chicago Come on, guys, Bears, you were supposed says. to answer this question for me. Oh, they won the Super Bowl that year. Okay, Vicki Anderson is yeah, saying. Yeah, I thought it was it football. That's from so my funny. Memory. It's, it's from Chicago Bears because Vicki knows because her husband says so. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jim McMahon. Okay, then, yeah, well, we know nothing, guys. So, <laughs> well, we don't. We're, did any of us say we were sports experts? No, we said we were midwives. I know that, but I always assumed that he was wearing it for John McEnroe. I guess because of the um, the tennis right. sweatband kind of thing, and he was he was big in the '80s. And I guess I'm not reading the name clearly when right. I'm okay. okay. So we're learning anyway. So they do this cold open about kissing, and what I think is very fascinating is that the next week. Spoiler alert. Yes. People watching along with, uh, <laughs> with the Moonlighting podcast 40 years later, they kiss. And I yeah. thought that was really interesting. And I asked, I did specifically ask if that's why they did it. And they said no, that it was just they yeah. needed to fill the time. The episode was short. They just did a bit. Yeah. They didn't even know they were going to kiss next week when they did. Okay. All right. That is a good tidbit. I wondered that as well. If it was kind of a pre-teaser. It might have put it in his head, but at the time they just needed a filler. Here's a question, um, Scott, if you know the answer. Were those real fan letters? I don't know the answer of that. I I doubt it. Okay. I doubt it. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe it was just the sentiment at the time. They probably got a lot of people saying like, when are they going to kiss? When are they going to get it on? You know? Right. Yeah. It just sounds like Glenn names. M Zimmerman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. M. Well, M. Not this week. <laughs> not this week, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's a unique way to open the show and talking about kissing and them almost kissing and having the lights go out and, and that whole thing. I uh, did notice when they said lights that that was definitely Glenn. Okay. I recognized his voice this time. Yeah. Oh, okay. really? Oh, I didn't even pick that. Wow. Yeah. That's good to know. Yes. I like that. But alas, they don't kiss here and we get into the episode, right? Keep those cards and letters coming, folks. I just love how he's got his leg around her when, when the lights come back on. <laughs> yeah, how they're all wrapped around each other and their lips are about that far apart. And 
But um, it's, I think it's good how Maddie said, oh, I thought it would be at the end of the show and be romantic and, you know, uh-huh. I'm not fussy like you are about these things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've learned so much so far. Yeah. You know? Especially the answer about that, the Chicago Bears. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Mm. I learned something anyway. Okay, so then as the episode opens... Well, we've got Maddie waking up deep in thought and her kind of, you know, getting up in the morning and maybe her morning routine, going to work, taking the old picture of the parents with you as you do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have not been watching Moonlighting. Um, This is actually the first time I've watched an episode, like sat down just to watch it in at least seven years. I'm not sure how long it's been, but it's been a really, really long time. So I don't know the answer to this question. And let's see if you guys do. Was this the first time we heard Maddie's theme? Or have they played it already? The do, 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 do. You know, they play that quite a bit during the Sam parts. But I was thinking this might be the first time we hear it. Yeah, I think it might be. What do you think, Grace? I definitely noticed it more in this episode. Um I wish it was on the soundtrack so bad. I mean, I know it's just a little ditty, but I love it. Um, It's basically the only theme. I mean, I don't think David really has an instrumental theme that I can think of right now. I mean, he does his own. Dave does, but yeah, he's usually (laughs) singing himself. But I really like Maddie's theme, and I was wondering if that was the first time we heard it. I thought it was on before this one in a previous episode. But maybe that's because I just keep watching all the episodes, so maybe I'm confused. Yeah, if anyone listening in um, knows if we've heard that theme song before. I have a trivia question of sorts about the clip that they used. Do you know this? What other episode does this clip appear in of her laying in bed? The same clip. The same clip. They use the same clip in a different episode. Oh, because I noticed that the same clip was used at the end of this episode. Not the same, different mannerisms, but the same day, you know. So the, okay. at the start of the episode, she's there, and then at the at, towards the end when she gets up to have breakfast with her mother, it's the same. It was filmed at the same right. time, basically, yeah. but she just made different movements, you know. Yeah. But, okay. oh, okay, so it was in another but episode. They do use this clip in another episode. Anyone know? I think you've told me this before, but I can't remember. <laughs> I think I told you before. None of our, uh, this is interesting, none of our viewers now. I got to say, like, I didn't understand your question. I would have answered the straight poop, but that's not what you mean. You don't mean that they're using it. You mean like they're trying to trick us. They've used the same cut. Like, like they, yeah, they use the same cut. Like they needed a cut of Maddie laying in bed. So they took this and they used it in another episode. Someone says the first episode, but her hair is completely different. So I no. can't believe it would be the first. If I had to guess, am I allowed to guess? Or I'm not yeah, allowed? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't know, or if you do know, tell us. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay. But if I had to guess, I would say blonde on blonde, because I know it begins with, with them coming up the bed. Is that right? No. Damn it. <laughs> now I'm never going to sell a book. Everyone's like, that guy doesn't even know. <laughs> I shouldn't have guessed. I and this guy's written fun. a book on moonlighting. Yeah, on moonlighting, yeah. and you don't know the clip that they took from this episode and used in another. Do you want me yeah, to tell man. you? Are you ready for the answer? Yes. 
It's in the sun also rises. Oh, I wouldn't have thought it would have been that one. When? Why? When uh, David rings her doorbell and they use this clip of Maddie laying in bed and um, she has a pink nightie on here. But when she comes down the stairs, she's wearing a pink nighty, but it's a different pink nighty. Yeah, it's and different. she goes to the door. Yeah. And, now, yeah. how do you know that? Now, how do you know that? Just because you've watched it a million times, this is just uh, like out of your brain? This PhD. is just out of my brain, yeah. Yeah, this is oh just something God. that I noticed. Um, you, oh, I mean, you know what I think it's from? I, for a long time, was making those videos using moonlighting clips and putting them to songs. And I would go through, and I think at some point I was like, wait, that clip was in another show. And yeah, somehow I figured it out. I can't well, even remember. How, I, you know, I have all the episodes on my computer, so I'm being a bad guest and I'm pulling it up. It's got to be like when he comes <laughs> to pick her up before they go to the party. No, because it doesn't look. Oh, she, no. She, okay, I see. I see she's in the thing. Don't mind me, people at home. Talk yeah. amongst yourself. Yeah. She's yeah. got a... Verify. Like- nah, her hair's going to be... I don't know if I believe you. I'm wasting our time. Never mind. I'm going to check this later. I'm not going to do it now. Okay. But I just want to say, I'm not sure I believe you. Okay. Because well- her hair, and looking through that episode, she has a perm that whole time. So they really tried to pull one past us and I never noticed it. I don't like this. And Sun Also Rises is one of my all-time favorite episodes. Okay, well. I'm never okay, going to be but, right exactly. But Scott, look at the clip right before she comes down the stairs when, when David rings the doorbell. She's I know, but I tried to put it away because I felt that was being rude. Okay, well, I, just wanna, I want one thing to be verified as correct on this episode. Well, I see her in the pink thing. Okay, and look, it has, it has like pleats. It has pleats, the nighty. But when she comes down the stairs, it's a different nightgown that she's wearing. So this is the clip from. Wait a minute. Can't I share? Yep. I've got to. Wait a minute. Yes, you can. Because I have it up and I don't think it's the same one, but I'm not trying to bust your chops. I'm really Um, not. I just find this. No, don't. No, this is my job. That's fine. Um, Grace, can you let us share? Can you allow us to share, Grace? Yeah, I'm just because I've got it too, and I'm looking at both clips, and I oh, you have it too because I see the I see the um. Well, if you have it, why don't you share it? Yeah, I am, but Grace needs to allow me to do it because I'm looking at this. This is like the worst podcast ever right now right now because we are at least on Zoom, and it's like so. I love to listen to their podcast. They watch it. And we can't see anything. And now I'm I know, seeing we can't see anything. Thing. And they're talking about all this stuff and they're wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. And all experts. they do is argue with <laughs> each other about who's wrong, about who is who. And they think tennis players are football players. And it, it's just no good. I hate when they have Scott Tennis Ryan. players are football players. Okay. Yeah, so far. All right. Well, Grace, I guess, is probably trying to let us share. So I will I will show you. I will show you because I've got just, here. Oh, you, you're 100% right. Wait a minute. You're 100% right. Thank you. You're 100%. Thank you. What a, and because it's the pleats and you are right. Oh, my god. Yeah, look gosh. at this. Here's every father's Listen, daughter. You're doing it on YouTube. Interesting. I had it up. The sun also rises. Every father's daughter. It's the same, same, same. And then watch, pleated. This is pleated. Yeah, okay. there was the pleats that I really noticed. Oh, but, my. God. But then, okay, she opens her eyes. And when she goes down the stairs, it's, oh, she has a robe. She, she has something different on. Right. So yeah. that's not what she was wearing in the bed. Yeah. Thank you. I can finally keep my PhD in Moonlight. 
Well, I mean, this is, I don't, I guess got to say for those of you here, this is interesting. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I could point something out to Scott Ryan, who must have. Who didn't know uh, the football player. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, it's the details. It's the details. But yeah, somewhere along the line, I did notice that. And that is a really interesting. I mean, that's kind of a psycho thing to notice because they I will say that they zoom in more. It seems like on Sun mm-hmm. also rises. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, what I find fascinating about that, and I'm probably the only one, is that that is the season three premiere. Yeah. Just think about that. Like they were already <laughs> having trouble. <laughs> yeah. The first episode of season three that they were yes. like, should we ask Sybil to get in bed and just get a shot of her? No, just use no. last year's clips. <laughs> That's not. Yeah. We, <laughs> we've got a clip. It. <laughs> from every father's daughter, just throw it in there. And they did use that clip twice, even in this episode, didn't they, Grace? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At, the, at the beginning yeah. and towards the end. That's the same clip. And towards the end, and before you know she what? meets her mom. It's not the first time they've done that. In the next murder you hear, they also did that, but not with her. They did it with the gunshot through the window. It's the same shot at the start that it is at the end. It's oh, cut. that's right. You pointed that out before, yes. Mm. Oh, and uh, Vicky says she's always in full makeup either way. <laughs> this is true. Exactly. Wish and, I looked yeah, that beautiful makeup. as soon as I woke up. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah, David <laughs> could show up at three in the morning. You know, like he did, like he did in uh, what was the episode where he wakes her up and she's got lots of makeup on. Um, it was uh, well, he does in Witness. Witness the one where they they go and they're well, doing two also separate- blonde on blonde, but Sam answers the door. Yeah, Sam. He, he likes sure. to come to her house at night all the time. And yeah, half the time he gets in there, and then half the time he um what was the we just did this episode where she's gonna sell the business. Yeah, in, in Atlas Belched. Atlas Belched, yes, thank you. Atlas Belched. Um, he shows up in the middle of the night and she answers the door. She's got full like dark makeup on. Why not? Anyway. <laughs> okay, well, this we better move on, people. Yeah, I know. Look at what we did. I we were just getting off the track. <laughs> I know, I know. We should. Sure in fact, let's just use this clip again for the next section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what do you think about Maddie here? I mean, Maddie and her parents are obviously close, but she's trying to compose herself and kind of rehearsing how she's going to greet them and react when she sees them. So, what's the meaning of this? Why is Maddie? Is she nervous to see her parents? Has it been a long time? Is she a different person since she's seen her parents? Well, I think that this is the first time they're seeing her post model. And I'm sure she feels she's let them down, especially when you read into what we learn about her and her father in season four. I think that's what a lot of it has to do with is just her being nervous about where she is. We would assume the last time they saw her, she was filthy rich, super famous. You know, and yeah. and now she has a job. That's how I took that opening. Scene. Yeah, and she does want them to be impressed because when they come in, she wants to show her mom her office, and so it's maybe she's just trying to rehearse how she's going to present her new self. Yeah, I think she's she's really nervous. She hasn't seen them for a while, and she wants to impress them. She's lost all her money, but at least she's got this agency now. So it's yeah, she's in a different place than she was. Yes, but she wants to impress them. Yeah, and then. The office is kind of all a Twitter, shall we say, dusting, cleaning, um, and Agnes is listening. 
for someone coming down. I, I know, Grace, I knew you would love that. Oh, is it so cute that Agnes is listening? I love or, it. Or coming down the hall. I know. It is cute. She's always on Maddie and David's side, you know, so. I wish I had her eardrums because if she knows by sounds, by thumping on the ground, who's coming down the corridor, that's pretty good. Well, she, she knows someone is coming, but she probably thinks it's them, I guess, but, you know, but it's David because, you know, she didn't really expect David. Well, she didn't expect a priest to walk through the door. Hi, everybody. I'm Archie Bell in the Drowns of Houston, Texas. And we not only sing, but we dance just as good as we walk. Mm. In Houston, we just thought of a new dance called the Tighten Up. Mm. This is the music we tighten up with. Mm. <laughs> Father David. And what song is he singing? He's singing Tighten Up by Archie Bell and the Drowls. Okay. And the lead singer actually says those words at the start of the song. So he's saying word for word what the guy said. It reached number one on both the Billboard and R&B and pop charts in the spring of 1968. And it is ranked number 265 on the Rolling Stone magazine's list of 500 greatest songs of all time and is one of the earliest funk hits in music history. Maybe that's why David wants to make a funk video later. (laughs) Yeah. And he's got a black eye. Is this the only time he had a black eye in the show? I was trying to remember. Was Was there another time he ever had a black eye? Did he have a black eye and blonde on blonde, or was he just a bit bloody? Good, yeah. I was trying to think after the ekak when uh, <laughs> when they leave. Oh, yeah, doesn't that guy punch, punch him? David? Yes, but That'd I don't know. Be if a hard one that. to say. I mean, I feel like you guys really paint yourself into some hard trivia, <laughs> hard trivia <laughs> spots to get out of. I don't know if this is a wise idea. Well, this is <laughs> this is why we stop trivia corner because. <laughs> Um, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but we haven't been doing men like trivia um, because we got to know what each other was going to ask. And some episodes, believe it or not, it's very hard to find a trivia because some things are very obvious, but other episodes are not so obvious. So Shauna was getting to the stage where, uh, I don't know, um, whatever. Yeah, it was getting so detailed. It was getting so detailed that... You know, yeah, you can't, I mean, we notice a lot, but we don't, we can't notice everything, I guess. And, and it got a bit repetitive. But. One of the things that I wanted to talk about from that front section, it's hard for me to not like see the writing when I watch it uh, because it's just so good. And it's hard not to think about how television's made today. I think one of the things that I find fascinating about Moonlighting is just how there isn't a peer to it. To me, I understand people think Castle or Bones or whatever, but I don't subscribe to that. And part of it is, is in another show, they would have wasted our time on why David was in a priest outfit. We would have had to see him be... On yeah. that case, we would have had to see him get the punch because a network executive would say, well, aren't they going to be confused? He comes in with the punch. 
Uh, why does he have the punch? And we don't need it. What we need is him dancing down the hallway and the jokes like all rise is a great, you know, and and Maddie does it. Every single word is, it's just so economical. And I was just blown away. And again, I think it's because I have not sat down and watched an episode for enjoyment in a really, really long time. Cause when, yeah. you know, if I was interviewing an author or something, I might be studying that episode. I'm really not watching it. I'm yeah. writing questions, but like, I was like in another show, they would have wasted so much of our time on crap. We don't want to see. That would have been and, the open. Yeah. The open would have been the case. And who cares? We, that's not what this episode's about. So we don't yeah. care. And then they do it again with Montezuma's revenge. Yeah. We didn't have right. to see we that. Didn't see that meeting. <laughs> I know you're right. Does anybody much. want to see that meeting? No, <laughs> no, you can imagine it because Glenn was very much um, assumed that the audience is intelligent enough to follow the dialogue as fast as it was to follow what case they're following or not, or meetings they have or not. You don't have to see every single thing. He assumed the audience was smart. Right. Any and- similar show after that I found was in slow motion. Right. Compared to yeah. moonlighting. I know. Moonlighting goes so fast. If you want to kill 45 minutes, put on an episode of Moonlighting. It's like over before it starts. You're like, how is this already almost over? And I'll watch a 45 minute show, current show, and I'll be like, it's dragging. It's dragging. Is this over yet? You know? Yeah, true. Well, like even uh, when they're when they were walking out, when the parents were going to be there and she said, do you have another suit? And he was like, yeah, my lawyer says we can beat this or whatever. It's yeah. so quick. And then then right there are her parents. And yeah. you don't even have time to go, wait a minute. He means I lost it. Like it's over. Yeah. That yeah. that line's way back there. <laughs> and forget we're about totally, it. Totally onto something else. Now we're into the world of Maddie and her parents and and him even saying like, go, but I'm bump. You know, and they're like right, right in the middle of this like whole banter. And literally bump into her parents and well, and then they did father, father, you know, like all that. It's so You're right. Quickly. There isn't yeah. a word that's on the page that isn't connected to the next word, mm-hmm. but you forget what was three words before that. Like that writing is it yeah. just means so much to me. And that's why I'm saying like that. I wasn't trying to bust you about Deborah Frank. It's just, this felt like Glenn to me, this whole episode and watching it. I was like, he was, he is, I was going to say was, but he still is Yeah, a genius. Yes. And the audience is smart enough to keep up with it and get all the jokes and be in the world with Maddie and David and now her parents. And yeah, we can keep up with it. And yeah, it's great how good. there's just no pause. Normally as you're right. You've got time to get the joke the character would respond and laugh or whatever, but there's I no know. pause. She does not laugh at his jokes. She doesn't find him funny right. and boom, you're yeah. on to the next thing. And she bumps into her father. So that's yeah. moonlighting. And in fact, this is what she doesn't want to do. This is what she was just saying. Can we not? Right. You know? <laughs> well, and that scene ends with a, a rare Maddie joke. And I'm a, I, I don't remember what it was, but you probably do. What's the joke that Maddie gives at the end? Uh, is it a, something about put it over your face? Like, will it help? It'll help me. It'll um, help me. Yeah. And then, and that was one of the things that I was noticing because, like, at this point in Moonlighting, where what, like, three or four episodes from the end of season two, like, you're probably th- three fourths of the way through two, right? Kind of. Uh, yeah. Maddie's still funny. Like, she had yeah. some good still jokes. Funny. In the episode two, they were still being fair. 
and letting them both have, uh, I don't know, I would think Sybil had to be happy with this script is I guess what I'm saying. Like she gets to do it all. She's funny. And I'm curious if this is what she submitted for her Emmy episode from season two. She certainly should have. Yeah, she should have. And it is funny because Sybil and Glenn do the, the commentary, which is interesting at that time for the two of them to do a commentary together. I got the sense that they weren't getting along all that well at that time. And, you know, like Sybil and Bruce didn't do any by themselves. And there's a lot of like Mia culpa and a lot of them, while they do the commentary for this episode, kind of apologizing to each other about behavior in the past and stuff like that. But she was really proud of this episode and just watched it for enjoyment the night before and just thought it was such a great piece of television and, you know, and all of that and gave lots of compliments and was like, at the end, like, I did that. Wow, I did that and thought it was great. So yeah, I don't know if it was the episode that she um, submitted, but it is a great episode and she's great in it. And it really revolves around her. Yeah. And you like her. I mean, you're on her side still. One of my problems with Moonlighting overall is the treatment of the character of Maddie in season four. And here it's very fair. And I I liked that. I know. They were equals. Yep. Yes. Um, Um, I'm sort of interested in finding out why they chose when he comes in and she stands up and um, rise. Yeah, please rise. Let's all turn the handles to page 138. Little tune God roll call. Alua, luai. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. that was a really good song. I looked it up, which I already knew this. There was a lot of hoo-ha about this song because they reckon it was a bit raunchy for the time and the FBI got involved, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was recorded in 56 and released in 57 by the Kingsman. The song was subject to an FBI investigation about the supposed but non-existent obscenity of the lyrics that ended without prosecution. It's interesting how he's chosen that song and he's dressed as a priest. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, there's just uh, there's so much banter and the whole, you know, him growing up as a kid and a... <laughs> found by missionaries and, you know. I was raised in the woods by wolves till I was 12, rescued by an ugly missionary woman who found me buck naked. I told her I wouldn't go with her unless she put some clothes on. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, there's 10 different jokes and storylines going on here, you know. But him also being um, attuned enough to her to say, do I detect a small case of nerves here? And Mm -hmm. him knowing that she's nervous about her parents coming and all of that stuff. Not that he's going to behave any differently. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. But he was very creative by solving the Pagano divorce case by acting as a confession priest. So he was obviously in the confessional and the guy has confessed his sins. Yeah. And the guy's found out he's a priest and he's punched him in the nose. You didn't need to see that. You know, you're right, Scott. You didn't need to see it. We know about it. We know how we got his shiner. And that's the end of that. Put that aside. Well, and it's one of the things that I noticed like throughout the series is that the scenes that would be in other shows happen off camera um, because they knew like all we want to see is Dave and Maddie in the scenes together. So you don't need the other crap. Yeah. They can talk about it and them telling each other what happened is good enough. You know, uh, going back to knowing her, 
you don't see Maddie get the flat tire and be on the street and all that stuff. You know, you, she tells David that, and there's so much of that in the series that just would never fly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just wouldn't happen now. And I love it. Oh yeah. Do you find it interesting that David is working that case without her? I mean, she knew about the case and he's there and, you know, she, she didn't even know what he was doing to kind of like solve it. Because most cases that we see, they're solving them together. Um, I'm not sure she didn't know what he was doing, because when she says to her dad, which I actually thought was a really great line reading from Sybil, she said, it's a disguise, dad. Like she gets <laughs> so she said it like a little kid. Yeah. So I think she did know that they must have worked on getting the disguise. Like, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I think she, she did, but you're right. In a way it is, it's outside of the show that, but if you want to get picky about it, it explains how David could then follow the father without Sybil. So if someone at home said, Hey, he never does things by himself. Well, yeah, that's true. So it could have been together. Yeah. Sure. That someone wouldn't have a trivia question someday about <laughs> when's the only time. And one knew there was going to be a podcast. People were going to yep. discuss and he had to explain that. You know? uh-huh. Glenn is smart enough to think like, well, it's usually the two of them, but if he's doing something separate, it would make sense that he would do something separate here. I mean, maybe, yeah. or maybe it was just a fluke, but anything else about the scene with Maddie and David in the office? I mean, there's some great lines like, well, he says in a few episodes, Especially in this time frame, you know, I'm all ears, you know, this kind of like repeating sayings. I like when, he, when she says, They're my parents. I've known them for 30 years. And then some. And then some. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yes. Love just so much there. We could probably just spend the whole time on this one scene. But anyway, any viewers have anything to say about anything to add? Throw it in the chat box if you have anything to add about any of those and anything we've discussed so far. Yeah. So now um, we're introduced to Maddie's parents. Yeah, Vicky says so quick and jam packed. I was even thinking when I was just watching the episode, it's like we can't even point out every joke, every reference, everything, every it's impossible. It just goes so fast. And I don't know how Glenn put it all in there, but it's amazing. Um, oh, it's nice to see Maddie being proud about the agency. Yeah, and I actually thought yeah. they use the agency really well like them standing at attention and cleaning it, you know, the show isn't top heavy yet where they're using the agency because they can't get Sybil and Bruce to the set. So they got to spend five minutes of the episode with them. They used him in good comic ability because even when they said, Oh, that many people work, her mom says they work for you. And she's like work or whatever her joke is. So they're already starting the no work and pay. But um <laughs> You know, I thought it was a good use of Mr. Pesto, a yeah. good use of the workers. The wobblies. It was good to see them work for a change, even though they were cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They were they were doing something. And what do we think of Robert Weber and um, Eva Marie Saint as her parents? Great. Yeah, great choice for parents. That's what I think. What do you think, Scott? Um, I was going to make a joke and say, I don't like them, but I couldn't yeah, do it. Work for um, me. I know you're I, lying. <laughs> I love Robert Weber so much. And again, you know, I, I don't know if I said this before we recorded or not, but now I know if you repeat the same thing on the Moonlighting podcast, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I get a lot of emails from the book and people yeah. 
sometimes they really bust my chops on my devotion to season four. Mm-hmm. But a big part of the reason I like it is Robert Weber. I think mm-hmm. he's so good. And to get that level of an actor on TV back then, mm-hmm. that was pretty rare. I mean, nothing against, of course, she's Eva Murray Saint, but I love Maddie's dad. There's just something about the way he plays it that, that you believe that that's Maddie's dad and mom, of course, but he has an air about him that Maddie has as well. I love him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought he was perfect for the part, for being her father. And to get both of them as well was amazing, you know, getting Eva Marie Saint and Robert Webber to be her parents. And they came back. They were both in six episodes. Yeah. So they must have enjoyed being on the show. Yeah. So, yeah, in the commentary, Glenn says that at the time, Moonlighting was so popular that you could almost, he could just call up and really ask anybody, like almost everybody wanted to be on it because there was so much talk about the show. He just felt strongly that Maddie would have come from those two people and he just had him in mind and he just called and, and they said yes. So Glenn was, said to us that Frank Sinatra wanted to be on. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. But he couldn't and, come up with a proper storyline. Right. He wanted to, to be perfect, but he couldn't come up with anything to have him on. So if he wanted to be on, imagine all the people that wanted to be on Moonlighting. I know. Mm. Yeah. And I think Sybil, she said she kind of associated Robert Weber with her father. So, you know, yeah, it's kind of life intermixing with her real life. And I guess her dad acted in the same way in his real life. And, you know, Sybil found out later that she was kind of playing something that she was going to live eventually. And yeah, that's all in the commentary. He was in a lot of great movies too. I won't obviously won't go through all of them, but um, The Dirty Dozen, 1967, The Revenge Mm -hmm. of the Pink Panther, 1978, Private Benjamin in 1980. And this is the part I love, and Scott will know why. He played the prosecutor, Francis McMillan, in Nuts. Just get it straight, all of you. I'll be nuts for you. Oh, you think I don't know that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's great in Nuts, which is a Barbara Streisand movie for those of you who are wondering why, um, Grace and I are talking about it and it's killing me, Grace, not to talk to you about Barbara. I didn't realize you were a Barbara fan. Uh, She's my all time favorite singer. That's her photo just there. It's signed, but uh, it's not really, it's just a photo. Um, which photo is it? Which one is it? Describe it to me and I'll know. You don't have to get it. You can just. The one where she's like this. Oh, okay. Um, It's funny for people at home. They're like the one she's like this. (laughs) Oh, you don't have to take it down. Look at that. She ruined the tape. That is the back cover of Higher Ground. Now that's what a crazy Barbara fan I am that I can tell you what that's from. And, you know, I will say that when I... I was very fortunate in working on the book that I got to spend a lot of phone time with Sybil. This was during COVID and we would talk a lot. And I knew, of course, that Sybil, Peter Bogdanovich directs Barbara in What's Up, Doc. Yeah, that's right. And all I, you know, I'm trying to find out moonlighting things, but, you know, I wanted to ask Sybil about Barbara so badly, but... I wasn't because I'm trying to be professional and we're trying to do, but Mm -hmm. after we talked like, I don't know, five or six times, then I asked 
And it was really cool because Sybil said that Barbara was always super kind to her and helped her out at times and, you know, just had nothing but nice things to say about Barbara. So I was so happy because I knew that they had to know each other and uh, socially because of Peter and, and all that time frame. But um, but I was kind of worried. I was like, please don't tell me something bad about Barbara. But <laughs> she, she said that Barbara has always been super kind to Sybil and, and all that. So I was happy. Oh, I'm That's happy great. about that too. Cause there's all, yeah. there's always rumors about Barbara, how tough she was and, you know, particular and right. Yeah. Deep yeah. down she was kind. Yes. Yeah. Also just, it has to be mentioned how gorgeous they both look in this episode. <laughs> Bruce in his priest's outfit and, kind of at the top of their game looks wise, don't you think? Right here. Actually, yeah. my wife watched the episode with me this morning. We watched it when we ate lunch. And when Bruce was, um, one time he just did his little smile and my wife just said, God, he's hot. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm sitting right here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm just <laughs> but she's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he really, he couldn't be more David Addison. <laughs> That look, right? Just the two yeah, of them. It was, it was right around there. It was yeah. during the scene with the parents because she said, look yeah. how quickly he went from smarm to charm, which I thought yeah. was, a, yeah. was right. a really good description of him. Mm. Yeah, he's really coming into his own here, you know, because I, we've talked about it before, but, I, you know, he starts off a little bit goofy-ish pilot yeah. episode or season one. But yeah, season two, season three, season four. I mean, Bruce is like, die hard in the gym you know um <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah it's just fun to see him see how he changed a bit throughout the seasons he's definitely having fun with his character now he's right into it he's david addison yeah yeah so when they meet maddie's parents come in they meet david for the first time and all of that and quickly they all go their separate ways where um his dad wants a drink in david's office or asks if there's a you have a bar in your office is there a scotch in it or something like that and uh, David, it's kind of like one of those married moments where David says to Maddie, like, I don't know, do I? Like- yeah, I think it was his way of asking permission, you know. Right. And I really like how Maddie's dad says, I guess somebody didn't buy your sermon, Padre. And he calls him Padre oh, for yeah. the rest of the episode, which is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Maddie's yeah. mom has a cap on how much the dad can drink and all of that. Yeah, she says. You do, but there's only one scotch in it. Again, great yeah. writing where it's, it's everyone being clever back to back to back. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like Glenn was just putting great dialogue in Bruce Willis's mouth. Yeah. He was taking oh, yeah. care of everyone. And when I, mm-hmm. and Glenn did say he really felt a responsibility to Robert Weber and yeah. Marie Sank to make sure their yeah. parts were worthwhile. And, you know, I don't know if we're here or not, but I'm moving us there. <laughs> the yeah, conversation ahead. between mother and daughter I'm curious what you guys thought, because I thought it was such a product of its time. And I was thinking, you know, we all want this show to stream. We all want it to come back on to Disney Plus or Netflix. And I really want a Blu-ray release. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, what would young people today think of that scene at how Maddie does not judge her mother? And she does not judge her father. Now she's mad at her father, but there's no judgment about the affair. Mm-hmm. Um, because back then it was almost assumed that some wealthy 
guy is going to have an affair and a wife's just going to take it. I mean, it was very, it was a very 80s story, I thought, and that a daughter was not going to confront her mother and say, mom, you got to leave him right away. Like you got to stand up for your rights. Yeah, true. What did you guys think about that? I mean, I thought, wow, this is really sitting in the 80s, but um, it is 2022. So I'm not allowed to make that uh, claim about that. But so you guys say what you thought. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Um, no, no, we're not sensitive on this show. <laughs> yeah, I was more amazed at her relationship with her mother, how close she was, that they were actually able to discuss that. Mm-hmm. that that's a discussion that do you speak to your daughter about that? Like, I know, yeah. Like, all right, she's 36. She would have been 36 at this stage. I just thought that, wow, she's got a close relationship with her mother. She always has. And I didn't think of it as, oh, the 80s, your thoughts on it, Scott, you know. Um, I I didn't actually think of it that way, but that's that's a really good observation. I just Mm -hmm. thought, wow, that's fantastic. She's got a close relationship with her mother that she can actually talk to her about this. But then her mother obviously regrets bringing it up. But Maddie doesn't believe it. She goes, Mum, do you know how ridiculous that sounds? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I 100% think that these days it would go down differently where it, you have to be more the empowered woman, you know, take on it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not so much this conversation because this conversation is really, you know, she, it's hard for her mom to say, but she's feeling it right here. And it's hard for her to hold it back too. you know, that I think your father's having an affair, you know, it's just so on her mind. I think later in the episode, when Maddie is trying to tell the mom, it's true. And her mom knows it's true, but she doesn't want to hear it. And she's letting Maddie know, don't, don't, don't say tell it. Me. Don't yeah. tell me. Last night was just like how we used to be. And that's what I'm going to hold on to. And, you know, and I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. And to me, that is a very 80s attitude. Yeah, I know. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm no, just yeah, saying I'm not as either. a writer. Yeah. Like now when television is written, the writer is having judgments yeah you know and the other thing i noticed is that three people say that maddie's father is a good man bruce says it your dad's a good man then when maddie's talking to the mom she says dad's a good man then she says it back and it was like everyone was trying to make it so and i thought that was the better way of doing it like nobody wants to get involved everyone was reacting as they would as characters but the writer being glenn he wasn't making a judgment there's no whether it's a good thing or a bad thing the dad's having an affair yeah we're not getting involved in that what we're getting involved in is maddie's reaction to it and that's it and i just found it so refreshing you got a big yeah, I, comment here on the side now. Yeah, big comment. There was a solidarity in that scene of a woman supporting another woman, even though it was mother-daughter. Maddie thought she deserved the best. So she felt for her, even though her mom didn't want to fully address it. You're right. She didn't judge her mother for it, though. It was supportive. Yeah. Yes. And she's not really judging her father either. It kind of like opens up the question like today, and probably more so today, if a man cheats, what a dog, what a scumbag, what a jerk, what an ass, you know, and stuff like that. But it's like, I think your father's a good man. You know, it's like, he's doing something that's not mm, great, but that doesn't mean that he's a bad person. He's making a mistake 
Yes. He's doing something wrong, but those things today equal, well, that means you're a bad person. Oh, yeah. And the idea was then he could be a good dad. You know, going back to what Grace said, it's her favorite line. Do you know your father or do you know your mother's Mother's husband? husband. Yeah. And everyone was looking at him as Maddie's dad in this episode, going all the way back to the title of the episode. That's what it's about. This is not an episode about her mother's husband. This yep. is an episode about Maddie's dad. And that complexity, which is in a comedy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. This is a comedy and a detective show comedy, <laughs> but it's really, it made me think a lot about it. And, and of course, if, you know, if you're at home and you're saying, but what about when she beats him with the purse? Well, of course, then she is judging. That's a different conversation. But I'm just talking about that first blush with her mom. Uh, it's very supportive. And yeah. I thought it was interesting, even if she's not acknowledging it, she doesn't want it to be true. There's no like, well, you got to do this because we live in a world of black and white. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was very eighties. Probably wouldn't go down that way today, but it is a more realistic look at the situation. I think. Yeah. I think they just yeah. dealt with it with restraint. Hang on. Just let's just yeah. sit back. Think about this. And you're right, it wasn't about the actual affair. It was how Maddie was going to deal with it. What what actions was she going to take to deal with her emotions? Because if we take it as a real thing, he is paying for a hotel for Mrs. Hayes. And he's got another hotel mm-hmm. for, let's call her Madam Hayes. And <laughs> that's really a horrible thing to do. Like, that's not a good man. It's really horrible. But that's not what this is about. And Glenn isn't worrying about that when he's writing. He's not no. making an overall statement of men everywhere and how, how we just view yes. everything now. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. This is a story about this affluent guy who probably thinks he deserves to have a woman on the side. And if he buys his wife a diamond bracelet, then he's doing right. And he, and, you know, takes his daughter out for dinner and, that was a type of man that grew up in the 50s and is there in the 80s. One is his personal life and one is his life outside of the family, you know, probably more associated with work or something like that, because he's compartmentalizing when he does give the bracelet and all of that and say, I wish I could live up to the, the love that you've given me all these years and things like that, you know, that he's saying to Virginia and... Oh, and then asking Maddie and David, so what lying, cheating, rapscallion are you yeah. after right now? And it's like, he's not associating himself with that, right. you know? Yeah. So it's like, he's totally compartmentalizing like this woman and this affair and, th- and whatever's going on here with the family. Two totally different things in his mind until he sees that it's hurt them and crossed over when Maddie finally confronts him and beats him, you know, with her purse. <laughs> but also that's more kind of, you know, that he's saying like, I don't know what's your, with your mother and kind of bad-mouthing her mother when it's like, wait a minute, bud. Right. Look, at, don't be talking about mother, you know, because <laughs> right. we know what you're up to. So yeah, that's why he kind of gets his beating. But <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's another really great example of how David supports her. He's oh, yeah. really supportive and wants to help her. And he's like, no, you're not, well, I'm going ahead of myself, but yuck, you're not, you're not, <laughs> You know, you're not conducting an investigation on your father. 
Um, I'll do it for you. And he really wants to help. And he did a really good job too, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we're talking about, you know, we kind of mentioned before, like Maddie's still funny here and Maddie, you know, the way Maddie is, David is so supportive of Maddie in all of these episodes. You know, he's always only looking out for her best interest and seeing how he can help her. And then what season five, she's almost killed in a garage and he's sitting behind his desk working and Oh, Maddie, you know, gives her a hug. It just, it doesn't, you know, it just, it's not the same people later on. But anyway, we won't go. There. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> we digress. Yeah. We had a great conversation between her mom and her, and you get a sense of Maddie when she was younger, like when, uh, Alex and David come back into their office and he says something like, look at that hug. You know, if you heard the way Maddie talked to her mom when she was a teenager or something like that, he says, you would never think that you, you know, see a hug like that between them. So you kind of get a sense of what Maddie was like, maybe in her rebellious teenage years or how she's softened or changed over the years, maybe. Well, we do learn later that she was a door slammer, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I think you just get a peek at a younger Maddie and or how she was different at different times in her life. Anyway, it's a really touching scene with her mother. I think it's, um, it just shows the closeness. And that was, that was nice to actually learn that, that there was some closeness there with her mother, even though the father walks in and says, Would you look at that? When she was 16 years of age, cursing at her mother like a sailor, you would never have believed that you'd see a clinch like that. To see her now hugging her mother, it was, a, it was really a contradiction. Yes. You get a peek in inside of Maddie's earlier life. So that's always fun. And they decide they will all have dinner later. And the Padre is invited too, right? <laughs> and Maddie's like, great. Does he really have to come? <laughs> and then we get the uh, car talk with the Montezuma's revenge. And, and Maddie doesn't want that account. No surprise. I don't know. What's, what was their problem? It's only a chain of gun and ammo stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but mr montezuma loves you i'm sure he did yeah. yeah of course maddie's mind is on her mother's problem that was brought up in the office and so david's trying to get to the bottom of that she's some, talking about her mother and he says who by the way is okay <laughs> yeah she has a problem don't look at me i wasn't even in town that month <laughs> <Something like> that. <laughs> yeah He's worried about something. Okay, tell her I'll marry you. <laughs> Maybe that's the missing proposal. Yeah, you know, you, you know, later mm. he said, he told her dad that he proposed and she said, no. Maybe that was it. Yeah, maybe. This is kind of the turning point where we're learning about the case. Yeah, it is a case. He even says, hire me. Let me introduce myself. I'm David Addison. Let me be your detective. So yeah, this is their case. It's Maddie's dad. What's really going on behind the scenes with him? That's what I always say, that the first true episode that doesn't have a case, in my opinion, is The Sun Also Rises. Uh, that's the first time there's no detective work. And here, really, there even if you had the priest stuff, and, I mean, there is a lot of detective work going on. It's just within the two of them. The thing that I thought was really interesting was when they're driving when he starts the case and uh, Robert Weber is listening to mm -hmm. love is a many splendid thing mm -hmm. in yeah. his car. And That's David great. is listening to a papa was a rolling stone. <laughs> and I know. This is Perfect. why moonlighting is not streaming and mm -hmm. why Glenn won't replace the music. Can you imagine watching that 
sequence without Papa was a Rolling Stone? Like, no, it would be boring. No, it's so it's so perfectly captures each of them. Yeah. The contradiction between the characters. And the music is also telling the story of Papa was a Rolling Stone, you know, that's (laughs) making commentary on Maddie's dad. And his dad's thinking love is a many splendored thing. He's in his own little like cloud nine bubble thinking he's got these two women and going to see his woman on the side and all this. This is a rant I want to have. And, okay. And this is my thing about moonlighting that makes me so angry. Uh, not at moonlighting, but at the world. So, you know, in that year in 85, 86, whatever this is, February 86, Glenn made a deal with them to use Papa was a Rolling Stone. And yeah. Whatever. Let's say they got $2,000. I mean, yeah. they probably got 10000 They might have got 100000 But whatever it was, they got paid. And then their song was on TV that night in yeah. February. And there was someone who was like, damn, I'm going to go out and buy that album. Yeah. And, and you guys might have streamed it before mm-hmm. this episode because you wanted to hear it and they're getting paid the idea that a corporation is saying no no one's allowed to ever see moonlighting because they need to get four cents today yeah. 2022 you got paid for it in 86 yeah. it just makes me sick that it is greed of music people yeah <laughs> and it's really not the artist it's the corporations that want to get another thing because they know they should get paid for it but you really shouldn't i mean my stuff's out there i don't get paid for my stuff <laughs> ever like if you really want to be an artist you don't do it for the money uh it just it makes me angry and to me that scene that's really what i thought of the whole time like that song was perfect and they should be glad they're in this episode they don't need to get paid again mm-hmm. I mean, I bet you Grace knows if that song hit number one in 1964 or 69. What's the stats on Papa Was a Rolling Stone, Grace? Okay, Uh, the song was originally performed by Motown Recording Act, The Undisputed Truth, in 1972, though it became much better known after a Grammy Award-winning cover by The Temptations was issued later that same year. This latter version of the song became a number one hit in the Billboard Hot 100. So it was 1972. They made their money off the song. They don't need whatever Disney's going to pay them. So it streams. And And they were paid back then. Yeah. And I think they would have got paid quite handsomely knowing how much money Moonlighting spent on anything. They were just throwing money at them to get the episode done. Yeah. So So what is the problem that there's no written contract for it at the time? Is that the problem? Yes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But a contract was like... A deal was made to be in Moonlight. I just wish, and it's funny because when Glenn and I, we did an interview together and now I don't remember what it was. And I, I made this point a little bit. Glenn was not on my side, which I thought was really interesting. Um, he thinks they should be paid. But I think it's because Glenn has made money his whole life with his art. And as someone who has never made any money on his art, like my whole, like when I was 18, I made an episode of Moonlighting that I wrote and I played David Addison. Yeah. I've, that, I've never made any money on that movie. Like, I mean, of course, I never really released it, but you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like I've saying- created art my whole life Yeah, because I'm an artist. 
And yes. I mean, I'm not saying I don't, I wouldn't like to eat. I would like it if three people bought my book and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I got $20. Like I can, you know, I'm going to go to Wendy's for lunch tomorrow and that's fun. But I'm just saying like, that's not why you create art. You don't create art. So moonlighting can never be seen. Like, yeah. No disrespect against Papa was a Rolling Stone, but I think the best thing that ever happened to them was being in this episode. Yeah. So right. they, it should be free. And there's the end of my rant. Yeah, but you know what else? If they stream the show, these songs will come back. And yeah, they will, of course and they, they will. will. They will be streaming them on Spotify and people will be downloading them. So what the hell is their problem? Because yeah. they're greedy and it's a big problem. And it's not the temptations that are greedy. I want to be clear no, about no, that. No, no, no. It is some lawyer that owns yes. the copyright to that, that that's being greedy. Um, you know, the Rolling Stones don't need more money for Jumpin' Jack Flash. They made it. But, you know, Billy Joel doesn't need it for Big Man on Mulberry Street. He made that money. It's all lawyers and yeah. it's disgusting. And he wrote that song with Moonlighting in mind. I mean, he come did. on. Yeah, he did. He told Glenn that he wrote a song when he was watching Moonlighting or something and had David Addison in mind. Uh, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to play the old Scott Ryan card, but that's <laughs> not true. What? No, I, I, that was one of the commentaries. I know it's a lie. Mind. I know oh, okay. it's, it's horrible right. for everyone, but it's just not true. But that's what Glenn said to us in his interview. Yeah. I, Glenn told me too. Unfortunately, it's not uh, true. So Scott. it's like something he remembers. No, I think Glenn thinks it. Yeah, I think Glenn believes it. But, but I have, and it's, I put it in the book. Yeah. I have a piano book from the bridge. We're not supposed to be talking about this because I want you to invite me back for Big Man on Mulberry Street. Although I don't know why you would invite me back. You're, you're coming Honestly, back. I don't you're know you're why. welcome anytime. Scott, this is what. I love, the, I love these discussions. This, this is great. my post it note that's been sitting here since our last discussion. It says cool Hannah. Yeah, I mean, because I was actually a little nervous. But I was a little nervous when you guys asked me to come back because I'm like, but I want I have to come back for Big Man. They're not gonna <laughs> have me back. Um that so I'm gonna save my Billy Joel story for Big Man. Okay. And we're gonna move All right, forward. All right. Okay. Cool. I agree with you about the music. And you know, um, I was listening to another show where they were saying that a Kate Bush song from years ago came back because of Stranger Things. So because and number one. Is, yeah, and hit number one. Exactly. So I always say it's in the best hands. It's in the hands of Disney moonlighting is of anyone who has the money. Okay, just say we have to go through this buying the rights thing. Come on, Disney has the money to do it. And then they'll make their money back. Now, I said my rant was done, but I'm just gonna add one coda. <laughs> Everyone at home, go ahead and get a drink. <laughs> this is the time to get up and pee. You don't have to listen to this. This is the problem I got my with all cup. of the world. It's because they have so much money yeah. that they don't care about making the little money they'll make on Moonlighting. It's not worth it to them. And this is the problem of everyone owning all these things because mm -hmm. they just don't care. Yeah. It's not that Disney can't pay for that song. Yeah. It's just, they're not going to make as much as they can make by releasing a Marvel movie. So they don't care. And that's why yeah. I hate all these people owning all this stuff. So now I'm really done. I'm not going to talk about it again until I'm invited back for Big Man on Mulberry Street. <laughs> yes, we, we'll all wait for that. And 
you are invited back for that. So don't ever feel nervous or worried about that. You're welcome back anytime. Now, okay, let me go back to the episode. So uh, car talk. One thing I love that they do in this episode is there's a conversation going on in the car. And then when the elevators open, that conversation continues from that point as if they didn't continue that conversation in the car and, you know, walking to the elevator in the elevator. And you know what I mean? So I love that they do that. And I love that when they get to Maddie's office and that David, the jokes stop and the concern comes up and his face is very serious. And he's very like, has, um, he's very like empathetic to Maddie and this whole situation with her parents and all of that and wants to help her, of course. So yeah, those are kind of my observations of those scenes. I love the play on words though. I'm going to prove to my mother beyond a shadow of a doubt supposition she's proposing is absurd and not worth supposing so she says that and then all of a sudden they're in the corridor and he says this supposition that she's proposing yes do you think you could do a little disclosing <laughs> i know that's glenn that's glenn you just yeah. you see that glenn wrote this episode and he offers to be her detective and follow her father and do all the work then that leads us up to what uh, we were just talking about and scott mentioned you know and the music in the car and all of that and we get to the Sheridan Universal, now a location I've visited, by the way. Hmm. And they used this episode in, gosh, usually the episode titles are right there on the tip of my tongue, um, Tupperman. So they use the same hotel in right of Tupperman. They're coming to a different entrance for one part of it. Anyway, they use the same hotel. So I visited this. I was um, telling Grace when we recorded Tupperman. The funny thing is, I mean, and I, vis- I used to live in LA, Scott, so I visited you know, as many of these locations as I could in all the Moonlighting episodes, um, locations that I could find. It was funny how most places I went, they hadn't changed that much. Mm-hmm. It looked like almost just like you know, when they filmed and they were in Moonlighting, which is really funny. And I was telling Grace when we recorded Tupperman that when David goes up, this is in Tupperman, goes up to the registration desk and he's talking to the woman. There's a piece of art behind her that's kind of this like wooden, big, chunky piece of art. And it's still there. That's insane. <laughs> Isn't that insane? And these sliding doors, how they open, same. Um, these escalators are there. A little bit, maybe, maybe more updated decorations, or maybe it's been redone a little bit, remodeled. But you know, basically, you're just like, oh, that's where they walked in. And that's where the escalators were. And that's where this happened. I couldn't find the flower shop. So that, I think, is something that changed since then. But kind of fun. That could have been in a different location, I guess. It could have been, yeah. Yeah, because it's unlikely that a hotel would have a flower shop. I never really yeah. considered it before, but have you ever been to a hotel that had a flower shop before? It looked, yeah, it, to me, it looked yeah. like more like a hospital flower shop. Yeah. You would have dance. Right. That's true. Before you go I was going to say that too, like maybe a hospital. Yeah. yeah. So that may have been filmed in another location, but um Looks pretty similar, guys. If it, you know anyone's visiting LA and wants to visit uh, the old Universal Sheridan, and was that where you stayed, Grace? Uh, it was the one next door that you found out you stayed at, right? What's the other one called? I think it's the Hilton next door. The Universal. No, we stayed Hilton at the Hilton Union. next door. That's why I don't recognize oh, yeah. the the um, entrance. Yeah. No. Okay. But yeah, so this whole sequence of events, also, there's no dialogue for how long, Grace? Did you? No, it I like didn't time you would- it. No, oh, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Normally I do, but no, I didn't. I mean, at least five minutes with no dialogue, right? We're just watching mm-hmm. David follow her dad up the escalator, all of the different ways that he goes through to hide himself, to not be seen. And if, a couple of times you think that her dad is going to see him, 
like when he looks back yeah, on the escalator turns, sort of turns around yeah yeah and that song is all the way through here too right yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's the main thing they didn't just throw music in moonlighting it really they build the scene around it and it's mm-hmm. so crucial to it i mean really one of the most important in the series i would say like as far as building a scene around it incredible scene and good detective work all around like a lot of times we don't get to see David actually be functional mm-hmm. um, and we really see him as a good detective, which is kind of fun to see as well. Yeah. He tries what three different ways to find out the hotel number. What did you think of his Hispanic accent? Oh, 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 oh coño, coño, Mr. Hayes. I don't have to listen to language like this. See? Okay. Okay. Fine. You come down here. Easy now. You don't even know my mother. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. And I loved everything about it and everything he said, like, you don't even know my mother. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the first half of our live event of Every Daughter's Father is a Virgin. Stay tuned next week for part two. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.